Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Whether or not you identify as a Christian or as part of any organized faith community, you're welcome here. While basing what I have to say on the Bible and my own Christian faith, I hope that you will find something relevant to your life. During these particularly turbulent times, it's important for us to locate some sources of truth upon which we can rely and to which we can turn. There are a lot of voices out there claiming to speak the truth. Some of them are well-meaning but ill-informed. Some are deliberately deceptive. And some speak valuable truths. Today, using a passage from the prophet Jeremiah, I'm going to present some tools to help us sift out the truth. Now, I need to supply some background for this Bible story that I'm about to read. About 600 years before Jesus was born, King Nebuchadnezzar of the kingdom of Babylon conquered Jerusalem and Judah, plundered the temple, and took the best and brightest of the residents away into slavery hundreds of miles away in Babylon. The exiles wanted to return, and those who remained in Judah also looked forward to their friends and family coming home. Two prophets, Hananiah and Jeremiah, deliver what they say is a message from God about the situation. The reading is from Jeremiah, the 28th chapter. In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of King Zedekiah of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, the prophet Hananiah, son of Azur from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place King Jeconiah, son of Jehoiakim of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words that you have prophesied and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. But listen now to this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the peoples. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. As for the prophets who prophesy peace, when the word of that prophet comes true, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent that prophet. Here ends the reading. Now imagine that you are one of those people left behind in the devastated city of Jerusalem, listening to the speeches of these two self-proclaimed prophets. Hananiah says that God is going to defeat the Babylonians and bring your friends and relatives home within two years. Jeremiah, on the other hand, does not paint such a rosy picture. He says that he hopes what Hananiah says will come true. Amen, he says. 
but he thinks the people are going to have to live in captivity for generations. So Jeremiah sends a message to the refugees and tells them to make themselves at home in Babylon and make the best of the situation. Build houses. Raise your families. You're going to be there for a while. Now, who are you going to believe? What Hananiah says sounds good. Like he says, God is on our side. Surely he's going to intervene on our behalf. We're good people, and he won't let this happen to us. God will right this wrong. Why should we listen to the doom and gloom that Jeremiah is always slinging around? If we get into his negativity, God just might abandon us to our own devices. Yes, let's go with Hananiah, even though what Jeremiah says sounds pretty accurate. You see, that's the problem with prophets. How are you going to decide who's speaking the word of God, who's the real prophet, who is the false prophet? When you have two contenders for the job who contradict each other. Now, Jared's explanation isn't particularly helpful in this regard. He says, well, we just have to wait and see whose prophecy comes true. And that's how you figure out who's the true prophet. But that doesn't help us now. We have decisions to make in the present. Last night, I was watching the documentary about James Baldwin titled, I Am Not Your Negro. It's based on a book that James Baldwin planned to write but never finished before he died. Baldwin's plan was to examine how the lives of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King intersected during the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s. Malcolm X and King competed for the unofficial leadership of African Americans as they struggled for racial justice. Now, Malcolm X was feared by white Americans because of his militant call for an uprising to force equality for black Americans. Martin Luther King, Jr., on the other hand, advocated for nonviolent resistance and the power to love to bring about change. Think of the choice that faced African Americans living in a segregated society and who faced capricious violence and injustice whenever they stepped out of their homes. Who was the true prophet with the correct roadmap to the future? Should African Americans take up arms and violently overthrow their white oppressors? Or should they pray and peacefully protest as King advocated? Now Malcolm X held a lot of popular appeal it had been 400 years since the slaves were dumped on the shores of this country, and still the descendants of those slaves had not come close to achieving equality. King, a Christian minister, appealed to the teaching of Jesus to love one's enemies. Now in the end, King and Malcolm X came closer together in their thinking, and the civil rights legislation of the 1960s resulted in positive changes. Today, King is recognized as the true prophetic voice of his generation. But both King and Malcolm X were killed for their efforts. And our current protests, both violent and peaceful, arising from the police killings of black people, leave both men's legacy 
in question. Who was the true prophet? We are daily confronted with information and advice from would-be prophets who have the answers for what ails our society, even though we seldom call them prophets. Some of them speak from pulpits and invoke the name of God in their messages. Many more use their bully pulpits of political office or power of televised or social media platforms. Some are experts and scholars, and some are bloviating idiots. But they are all vying for our attention and our willingness to follow them. We have what I call a prophetic problem. Let's look at another practical example of a situation where we need to distinguish the true prophet from the false prophet, the truth from false information. Every day, we are bombarded with information and advice on how we should react to the COVID-19 pandemic. There are many Hananiahs out there who are saying, don't worry, things are under control. The threat from this virus is not that great. Most people handle the infection just fine. It's going to resolve itself in the near future, and if not, we will soon have treatments and vaccines to protect us. It's time to open things up, get back to normal. Don't give in to all the hype and go to the extremes of wearing masks and washing your hands so your skin rubs off. Then there are those gloomy old Jeremiah's out there. They have all kinds of statistics to scare us with. They warn that the worst is yet to come and that a vaccine, if we can develop one at all, is years away. They advocate all but the essential workers to hunker down in their homes and wait it out. And they warn, it could be a long wait. They point to the fact that we're moving on toward 200,000 Americans dying from the coronavirus this year, and that worldwide the infection is proving difficult to control permanently. Like Jeremiah told the people in Babylon, you better get used to the new normal. Now, who am I going to believe? The Hananiahs of our day have an appealing message. I would love to throw away my face masks and head out to a crowded restaurant with a big, big group of my unrelated friends. It would be sure nice to run out to the grocery store or to the hardware store for a few things without fearing for my life. And then I'd jump on an airplane to fly off to some tropical island and forget this, this even ever happened. Then the Jeremiah perched on my shoulder, whispers in my ear, Better be careful. That kid walking down the street toward you could be a virtual Petri dish of COVID-19. Cross to the other side of the street. Stock up on groceries and the books that you've always wanted to read. You're going to be isolated for a while. It's stressful not knowing who or what to believe. So I put together a few guiding principles to help us to uh, discern the true from the false. They're not proof, foolproof, and they take some work. But we're not powerless before the words of false prophets. 
I'll continue with the coronavirus example, but these tools can be applied to other situations as well. Discernment tool number one. Ask yourself, is this prophet just telling me what I want to hear? Now, this falls into the category of wishful thinking. I know I'm vulnerable right now. My eyes are drawn to any news article or televised commentator that says that the pandemic is being brought under control. In this case, my natural bias and self-interest is likely to deceive me. Now, this is the first step, mind you. That good news may be true. Even Jeremiah says, Amen, I hope you're right. But discernment tool number one just warns us to dig a little deeper. Discernment tool number two. What's in it for the prophet? Maybe the person with the rosy outlook is primarily motivated by economic and business concerns. The longer the economy is shut down, the more profits, that's P-R-O-F-I-T-S, are going to suffer. This person is willing to accept the costs of human suffering, of the elderly or otherwise vulnerable, for their own self-interest. Now, they may have legitimate concerns. The economic hardships caused by shutdowns hurt people also. So you're going to have to do some careful thinking here. Discernment tool number three. Know your sources. Never ceases to amaze me how many people, and sometimes me, are willing to quote or repost information from Facebook or Twitter sources of questionable or totally unknown origins. Now this is a tough one. Facebook, Twitter, and Google come under fire when they try to fact-check postings. Such actions may imply censorship and violate the First Amendment. So what it come down, comes down to is it behooves us to do some research to develop our own list of trusted resources with proven track records, those past profits. Once again, Apply tool number one. Just because you like what a source says doesn't make it a good source. Now here's an idea. When in doubt, doubt. Discernment tool number four. Use your head. We're all members of the genus species Homo sapiens, which means thinking human or discerning human. The religious among us believe that God granted us wisdom so that we can discern what is true from what is false, what is right and what is wrong. We can think and follow scientific arguments. We may not be able to come up with a definitive answer, but it gives us another degree of certainty. We are smart people. We should act that way. Discernment tool number five. Apply Occam's razor. No, this doesn't mean you have to go to the barber shop. Back in the 14th century, philosopher William of Occam came up with the idea 
that when you are presented with two conflicting hypotheses, the simpler one is most likely to be right. Cut away all the extra steps in reasoning with your intellectual razor. For example, I might contend that COVID-19 was brought back to Earth on a SpaceX rocket ship and cultured by Elon Musk so that he could make a fortune on the vaccine which he has already developed and is just waiting for people to get desperate enough before he releases it. As opposed to, COVID-19 resulted from a common mutation process of a less infectious virus, which was already in existence in other species. We have known that this happens with the flu and other diseases for decades. In a word, shun conspiracy theories like the plague. Pardon the reference. Discernment tool number six. Play nice. In turbulent times, things get nasty. The Apostle Paul, who worked spreading the gospel in some contentious communities, advised, Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. It is shocking how many postings on social media and other forms of public commentary by otherwise kind people rely on bitterness, anger, wrangling, sarcasm, and malice. Remember how things ended up for Abraham Lincoln, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., John Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, and many, many others in the not-so-very-distant past because of anger and malice. Remember the nine innocent lives that were snuffed out by Dylan Roof during a Bible study at Emmanuel American Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina? For the love of God, stop it. Discernment tool number seven. Read John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Jesus is saying that he embodies what is true and what is good. If you look at his life and his teachings, you will find that what he embodies is love and compassion. In all things, when I'm trying to decide on what is true and what is right, I can at last ask myself, what is the loving thing to do? What is not just in my best interest? What is in the interest of my neighbor? It also means that when contentious issues arrive, arise, as they always do, I will be willing to listen to, learn from, and work with people who see things differently than I do. Through that cooperation, we are all empowered. We are lifted up to higher ground. Well, those are my humble suggestions. 
We can know the truth, no matter how elusive, and the truth will set us free. When we take the time for honest and open discernment of the truth, we not only recognize the prophet among us, we become the prophet. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless and keep you. May God look upon you with favor. May God bring you everlasting peace.